Tilecast, news, features and analysis, brought to you by Diary of a Tile Addict. So today we're going to speak to Joe Simpson about his recent visit to the 2023 Surface Design Show at Islington's Business Design Centre. Joe, you've obviously been to this for a few years running. Um, Anything different this year? I think the main thing for me this year that was different was the the number of companies that were doing either Venetian plaster or micro cement or variations on a theme. And also the number of... I normally go there thinking I'm going to see, obviously, that there'll be the textile-based things, but the rest of it was going to be hard surfaces. But this time... You were seeing hard surfaces, but actually when you dug deeper, what people were selling were liquid applied hard surfaces um, and the contracting that goes with them. So are these things you've never seen before? Some, anything new? There were some brand new things. I'm not saying I've never seen them before, but there were some significant developments on common themes. I mean, obviously Venetian plaster has been been around for, for centuries, literally, but it's it comes and goes in in terms of fashion and how it's being used now i would say is quite different than how it was when i first came to it where it was very much a uh, a surface finish continuous surface finish that was very good for going around curved architectural objects well now it is very much more being seen as a statement finish in its own right used as a feature wall and equally it's going from it used to be pretty much the province of commercial buildings and now you're seeing it they're definitely pitching at high-end domestic architecture. And so, was there much tile there? Um, I suppose, sadly, there was less tile than normal. I mean, there are the the people like Saloni and Greztech who've got their own showrooms at the Business Design Centre and who always make a, a great show at it. But really, the, the main tile element was coming from Tile of Spain. Asser, the trade association, had a, a booth there which featured uh, eight, factories um, and they were the main tile offer thankfully they were a really good selection so we had Savica, Dune, Peronda, Saloni, Monopole, El Barco and Vives to name just a few plus smaller people like Adex who specialize in little designs so a good range of companies showing everything from very small handmade hand decorated ceramics right through to large porcelain slabs um, so yeah, it's a, some interesting tiles, but it was not a major feature. Why, why do you think that is? Why why weren't there many tile people there? I think there are probably two things. One of the things has been the impact of the energy crisis, which has caused a lot of uh, problems for the tile industry, and I suspect people are paring back. Secondly, it's very close to the big Spanish show, and so there are people who are probably keeping their powder dry for that. Um, and thirdly, I think some of the people who would normally support it, um, which would be some of the London-based specialist tile distributors, have really now started to put a lot of their effort behind Clark and Well Design Week. And I think, you know, doing two big shows in London within a six-month period is just probably too much. For so what is the appeal of the show then? Well, the, the thing I love about it, A, it's a great venue. And it's a great venue because it's an intrinsically a lovely building. It's in a very good location, particularly if you're, in, you know, if you want to appeal to architects, because Islington, 
they're all around there. But the main thing is it's quite small. And so people have to have quite small stands. And if you've got a small stand, you've got to be selective about what you show. And for me, the best thing is you go on a stand and they've got their three best uh, new designs rather than 500 things you have to wade through to get to the thing that's really interesting. Um, plus, you get the stands are generally manned by the people who either design the products or the companies, the entrepreneur behind the company. So it's not a sales-led thing. It's very much more about design for conversation and making new contacts. So an eclectic mix, is it, is it big enough to see some trends? <laughs> there were certainly trends there. Whether they are representative of the, of the greater world out there, I don't actually think matters. It's can you go to one building and see 400 fantastic products? The answer was simply yes, you could. And it didn't really matter what you wanted to see, whether you wanted to look at a, a really nice new wallpaper, uh, a new woven fabric, something hand handmade by a real craftsman, or some quite big brands who are just showing you what's cutting edge and new to them. So there were some people there, massive suppliers of kitchen door fronts to the lights of Howden's, who were showing the really high-end decorative finishes, and they are staggering. Um, so there was, and there were some very good sustainability messages out there as well. That was a, a good theme you were seeing through it. But if I had to pick out some design themes, metallics. There was a lot of metallic finishes and very, very beautiful metallic finishes, um, ones that are not just about the sheen and patina, but about pitting and ageing and that sort of thing. Um, so that was the theme. The colours, um, there was quite a lot of interesting colours, and you could see some of the key key themes you've seen at tile shows there. So the, the uh, organic mushroomy kind of colours, much in evidence, the special accents the oranges the deep blues the greens the jades were there um and there was there were the kind of metallics not the blingy ones not pop, you know, bright golds or whatever but um much more kind of careworn industrial kind of metallic finishes so there's a lot of there was a lot of visual and tactile working together so to round up then pick your two favorite exhibitors right um well the great thing about this show is that yes you get to see all these commercial companies but you also get to see students um and people who are who are very much starting out in their careers or have got an idea which they're bringing to a, a commercial audience for the first time okay two students first then Okay, two students really caught my attention. One was Magnus Nielsen, who's a recent graduate in architecture from Denmark, um, who's really big into regenerative design. His project uh, used Moroccan clay as a carbon capture. He'd created a prototype facade system, which he'd tested in Marrakesh, using this clay to bind with CO2 and then release it when the temperature rises. It And he was then using it to grow tomatoes below i mean this is not something that you're going to be able to buy in the shops anytime soon but it was a, a really interesting visual representation of this kind of thinking and a great conversation starter about ecological design 
the other person who really caught my eye was Libby Challoner, who's um, a sustainable product design BA from Falmouth University. She's been working on making a sustainable and biodegradable bipolymer using something that's very available in the Falmouth area, seaweed, um, specifically agarophytes. Um, what I loved about her idea was the way she has been living with this product, experimenting with it, seeing how it colours naturally, and then using it as a plastic substitute. She was making uh, COVID testing kits out of it, which was a, a strange thing. It actually caught your eye when you're looking at a surface material thing, but you suddenly realise what a tremendous potential this product has because seaweed is su such a plentiful material all around the world. And if you can take out elements and work with them like this, huge potential. But there were a lot of other really interesting students there. Um, fortunately, I mean, I, I could only concentrate really on the hard surfaces, but there was some great textile work there, some beautiful weaving, some lovely fabrics, some natural dyes. And again, sustainability was one of the key features. And your favourites from the more established companies? Right. Well, if I'll just pick five, I mean, there were there were plenty, but I will I'll concentrate on five. Um, the first thing to say was, as ever, there there was an area curated by Sally Ann Harrod, which had a mixture of different surfaces together, and that as as ever had some very interesting products in it from both large companies and small artisanal producers. But if I my top five were Inno Metal, uh, James Ellis was showing some liquid metal finishes which have a basically a resin base and up to 95% metallic content that cures to form an authentic cast metal look and he had these in a really wide range of metals aluminium bronze steel iron and what I really loved about them was the the surface luster and the patina it, you really can't believe you're not looking at something that's actually made out of real metal, but you, it's very adaptable. Perhaps the, the most surprising thing of all was from Marmox, which they were calling Sliced Stone. Three to four mil thick, basically an Indian sedimentary stone, shaved, put onto a backer, treated with polycarbonate, and basically you could roll it up like a roll of wallpaper. I did it several times and each time I couldn't believe that the stone was not going to crack and fall into pieces in my hands, but it didn't. And then you start to think of where could you use this? And really, it's got a tremendous range of applications, everything from from furniture to shower enclosures. I think it's a product with huge legs and it's quite surprising. It's been around for a few years and it nobody really seems to have heard of it. Um, as I say, there were a lot of Venetian plaster and micro cement companies there. It's probably a bit unfair to pick one out, but I will do, which was uh, Mata Varelio, which has, she has a fantastic, vibrant, creative uh, stand, which was just showing the creative freedom and that you can achieve with some of these surface finishes. Um, lots of different colors, textures, um, and it was basically like stepping into a really upmarket nightclub. That's, that's the effect it had on me. And then at the other end, maybe Respet, 
which is a material that uses recycled PET drinks bottles. Um, again, from Italy, they were saying that they had now done their two billionth PET bottle recycle in this way, and they make a surface coating that it sounds, you think that that's not going to sound very good, but in fact, the detail on it, the colours, the patina, very impressive um, and clearly something that commercial clients could use to create bespoke interiors with very little effort. So yeah, a really, really good, good show. Um, and uh, a lot of evidence that the creative industries and uh, manufacturers are in rude health. Well, that seems like a fairly comprehensive roundup of the show, Joe. Thanks for that. How can listeners find out more about some of the things and companies you've been mentioning? Yeah, that's a good point. I will be writing about some of these products in great detail, but I'll provide all of the contact names of the ones that we've mentioned in this podcast on diaryofatileaddict.com um, and also put up a section of images so you can see what I was talking about. Um, and then if you want to get in touch, follow the links on on the website. Um, happy to answer questions. Until the next show. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Tilecast, produced by Diary of a Tile Addict. To ensure you don't miss any future episodes, don't forget to follow us. You can also find show notes and receive updates on news feeds, articles, podcasts and videos direct to your inbox by subscribing to the diaryofatileaddict.com website. Get the inside track at Diary of a Tile Addict.